Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Tiger Cast. I'm your host Michaels, and tonight is the special winning qualifying final episode. And tonight we're going to do a bit of a bit more in-depth review of the Geelong game, and also just go through the updated votes for the Autopsy Player of the Year award. And but first we'll get to our guests. So Rustoff, welcome to you. Howdy, howdy. And our second guest for tonight is T-J-A-S-T-A, but we'll use T-J for short, so welcome to you. Um, ahoy, ahoy. Um, thanks for having me. Yes, thank you again. So for the second week in a row, I've had internet troubles, and we're uh, doubling up here, so sorry about that, guys. Um, <laughs> we'll start off how we usually do it with each new guest and find out a bit about them. So, Rustoff, how did you become a Richmond supporter? Uh, Alrighty, so my story is quite similar to most people. You know, I was indoctrinated by my dad. He's a Richmond supporter from the 60s. Yeah, so I didn't really have much choice in who I supported. I guess a little bit different is that I'm not from Melbourne. Uh, We're both from the same little country town as our Lord and Saviour, Jacob Townsend in Leeton. So that's a little bit of difference, but still quite interesting, I guess. Yeah, good old town, eh? So you should have a, a full statue or whatever he wants named after him down there. Uh, and TJ, what about yeah, yourself? it's in How, progress. Yeah, it is in progress. That's very good. Hopefully it's all bronze and everything with the, the big 21 on the back. <laughs> and TJ, what about yourself? How did you become a Richmond supporter? Um, yeah, I had no choice in the matter. My mum's an Essendon supporter, my grandfather a North Melbourne supporter, but um, my all of mum's brothers are Richmond supporters. So as soon as they heard my name um, on the day I was born, they called up the Richmond to get my membership. And she's easy as that, and then you, you hooked in for life. Yeah. All right, we'll push on to the Autopsy Player of the Year award. So the votes still do count in the final series. So these are the votes from after the qualifying final against Geelong. Dusty got the five votes, Prestia got four, Cochin got three, Vlosten got two, and Rance got one. So the updated leaderboard is in fifth place, Nankervis on 19 votes. Equal fourth is Kane Lambert and Dion Prestia on 23 votes. In third place, Alex Rance on 39 votes. Second place, Trent Cochran on 43 votes. And in first place, Dusty on 81. Uh, TJ, Dion Prestia had a pretty big game on the weekend. What did you think of his game? Yeah, it was massive. He had um, 31 disposals, and I think something like um, 18 of them were contestants. Um, it was probably his best game he's played for Richmond, and it was a big stage to play it on. He kicked a board goal to guess back in the third. But the only problem that he had was he was going at... 41% efficiency. He probably had a few mates going at that kind of disposal efficiency as well with the amount of pressure, but uh, he definitely did step up at the right time, uh, which will definitely please the masses. And Russell, what about Kane Lambert? He's been another bit of a surprise packet for us this year. How did you see his game? Yeah, I thought he's been a bit of an unsung hero, to be honest. You know, he, his fourth quarter in particular was almost just as good as Dusty's. He um, was in everything. He was setting up plays, scoring. I think he had an opportunity to almost kick two or three just um, with uh, poor bounces. But apart from that, I think he's well and truly cemented himself in almost our top five best players. I know that's a bit of a big call, but he's just a consistent performer. He always gives his best. He's always um, just at the contest and 
doing absolutely all he can to help us win. And at the start of the year, I would have said that he's a VFL player at best and he had a chance to make it, but he's proven me wrong and I'm sure he's proven a lot of other people wrong. Yeah, definitely. He's had a super year, not just on defensive stuff, but his attacking has been pretty good as well. So Exactly, yeah. He's definitely become a more rounded player, uh, which has helped the team out immensely. We'll move on to the first segment, the Roast and Toast. I'll start with you, Rostov. You've got the roast for us this week. What have you got? Yeah, it is. It has to be the Geelong supporters after the loss. <laughs> Absolutely no grace in defeat there. Just a bunch of hypocritical, sanctimonious prima donnas that have been so spoiled by success in this last decade uh, that the sight of a team dismantling and just dominating them the way we did on Friday night to them was just unfathomable and such an injustice. It was ah, oh, it was fantastic to watch and I couldn't have been happier watching it live. It was just amazing. <laughs> It, uh, it, it it was pretty special. I don't. I think it's fair to say it's something that none of us really saw coming. Um, and, no, no, not at all. And if, if I don't know yeah. how many people read their preview thread, but yeah, it definitely looked like they thought they were going to beat us <laughs> by fifty-one points, and not one of them anticipated yeah. it being the complete opposite. <laughs> no. And TJ, you've got the toast for us this week. What have you got? Um, so I'm toasting the um, main coach, Hardwick, after years of criticisms and critics around the club asking him to be sacked. Him and the club realised something that something needed to be changed, and so far it's working. That smile he had after the game was him realising that years of being reminded about his poor finals record is over. His monkey, alongside the teams, is off the back. Absolutely, and hopefully that means we'll have a bit more of a free run at it in the in the prelim. So it will be interesting to see their mindset now that they have got that first finals win under their belt. Um, hopefully they just yeah, play with that, that same freedom that we saw in the last quarter on Friday night. Definitely. And pressure. And pressure, which we'll get to yeah. shortly, which is absolutely <laughs> amazing. So well, with that, we'll start the review of the qualifying final. So Richmond 13-13-91 defeated Geelong 5-10-40 by 51 points, advancing to the preliminary final for the first time since 2001. Pretty safe to say that none of us thought that was going to be the case at the start of the year? No, no, I had them finishing at um, like something like 7-4-8. I didn't even have them fabricating, uh, making a qualifying final. I didn't th- I don't think we'd even make the finals, to be honest. I thought we had just screwed the pooch and wasted our amazing top-end talent. But uh, Dimmers, to his credit, he's turned us around and he's finally admitted his flaws in an ultra-defensive game plan and changed it to an ultra-attacking one, which has proved amazing dividends. Yeah, it feels like they've really found that balance between defending and attacking. And it's interesting to hear the players' takes on... um, what they were kind of taught last year compared to what they've been taught this year with Carousella coming across and how it become, you know, a big tackle um, emphasis and, and pressure and all that kind of stuff, which we just simply weren't doing last year and teams could pick us apart with ease. And I think the first half really highlights how good our, our pressure was. Even the first quarter in particular, keeping Geelong to four points in the first quarter was pretty huge. Uh, TJ, what did you make of the pressure we had for the for the whole game? Um, outstanding. Uh... Um, it's probably the best example of our new game plan all year, and it came from mostly our small mids and our small forwards and our midfielders, and it's probably the thing that caught Geelong off guard the most. 
Which was good because, I mean, they definitely brought it to us the last time we played there. They beat us in contested possession and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Rostov, what did you make of the pressure? Yeah, I just was amazed by it. I, I had some concerns coming into the game that we would just be like the Richmond of old and just crumble under the pressure of the final stage. But we just played like we did all year and ran hard, tackled, and just played solid team footy, and it showed amazing. We won because of it. <laughs> Did you think we could do that for four quarters? I must admit, I had my doubts at half time that we could keep doing this for another half. I think once I'd seen us maintain it from you know the first and second half, I thought, yep, you know, we're still in this. We're this is how we're going to play, and I was quite confident coming into the third quarter that we'd just run them over because we had wasted quite a lot of opportunities in front of goal and it was just a matter of time once we'd convert those wasted opportunities into goals and it proved in the fourth quarter. It absolutely did. But I mean, prior to that, when Geelong got there, two late goals, TJ, did that make you nervous when Danger and Motlop and all that snagged their late goals? Did you think, oh God, here we go again? Yeah, put all us Tiger Tragics on the edge of our seats. Um, but And it sort of led into the first half of the third quarter when Geelong did dominate, but we came back with our pressure and we ran over them. And the last quarter, that has to be one of the best last quarters we've played in, in quite some time. Um, what was it? What changed from the first three quarters to the last quarter that allowed us to do what we did? I think it was the Dusty show turning up and just absolutely dominating. <laughs> he, he's a freak, isn't he? he? And it was actually probably one of his more unselfish games, to be honest. He, oh, yeah, he could have easily kicked probably three or four goals, but he just, you know, I think that's the difference between him and Dangerfield. Dangerfield sort of tries to be the hero and, you know, kick the amazing goal, take the amazing mark, whereas Dusty, he's more interested in um, setting up the amazing goal almost or bringing as many teammates into the game as possible. And that was just evident on Friday night. He just was the perfect team player. And I was just so proud of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was. And uh, it was funny because I was watching the replay for about the fourth or fifth time. Um, oh, yeah. And when he's like running down on the boundary line inside 50, you can see the fans pretty much just urging him to have a shot and, and that yeah. <laughs> himself. And then he passes it inboard to Butler. I don't know whether people were disappointed or not, but I mean, it would have been good for him to kick a couple of big goals, but he definitely played a big part in the second half. And it may, I mean, obviously helped that um, Cam Guthrie was off because he was probably the one looking after him. But, yeah. you know, you, you can't keep a good player down all game. Um, no, some, some of the other stats, just last time we played him, we were smashing in a lot of the major stats and that's why we obviously lost at the end of the day. But on Friday night, the ones that sort of stood out to me were contested possessions. We won 165 to 146, which is a huge turnaround from the last time we played them. Inside 50s, we won 57 to 38. And marks inside 50, we won 18 to 5. Now, history will show that if you have that many marks inside 50, you're bound to win a game. Uh, TJ, what do you put that down to? Is that just simply a, a work rate thing that we've just improved massively to get those numbers? Yeah, I think we learned a lot from that Geelong game and we stepped up in all the areas. We also completely... Oh, no, they won clearances, but we... um, Yeah, uh, hang on. 
I've lost my stats. Um, yeah, well, leading contestant possessions, well, leading inside 50s, it was just we learnt how to play them and it worked. It's interesting because I think Hardwick has said that every time we've played a team and lost to them, the second time around we've learnt from it and beaten them. Um, which is good. It's good to see that yeah, the guys actually lost to learning. a team twice. Yeah, which is uh, which is huge. We'll which move on. Surprising. Yeah, it is. It's not like it's not a very Richmond thing to do. No. So. <laughs> no. We'll move on and talk about some specific players. Uh, we'll start with the defenders. Rustoff, what was your thoughts on Nick Vostin's game? Oh, that was just an amazing game. He. He's been amazing pretty much since he's come back from injury. I think it was round 17 or so. Um, and he's just absolutely adopted that Luke Hodge role in defense. You know, the floating halfback intercept mark. I think he had about 10 intercept possessions on Friday night and about 10 marks as well. He was just fantastic. I think that is his role from now on, you know. <clears throat> Forget about forget about him going into the midfield or the forward line. I think this is, this is his position as the rebounding defender with the fantastic contested marks. Yeah, I kind of get why they wanted to try him in the midfield, but yeah, you're right. His mm. work down back's been awesome. Do, do you think the beard yeah. has anything to do with it? Oh, definitely. I think the longer it gets, the more powerful he becomes, so <laughs> I hope he doesn't trim it at all. <laughs> the super beard. Yeah. <laughs> and TJ, what did you make of Alex Rance's game? Um, in the lead-up to this game, this was one of the big matchups because of what happened last time at Simmons, but Rance just completely destroyed um, Harry Taylor. Um, he only kicked one goal, and that was pretty late, and he only had eight possessions. But um, And Rance was just going into everything. He copped a knee to the head in the first quarter and abused the trainer, and... Um, in the last, he took that mark and landed pretty heavily. So he had six one percenters too. So he really was pretty unselfish and destroyed Taylor. He did. He, he definitely made it his mission, without doubt, to, to make sure he got a bit of retribution there from what happened last time. Um, yeah, he's not going to play that many bad games in a year. So really good to see him bounce back. And Rustoff will move to the midfield. Dion Prestia, I know he's been a little bit maligned on the Richmond big footy board, but his last mm. month of football has been pretty exceptional. How did you find his game? Yeah, he, he was amazing. I, I thought he was probably, throughout the four quarters, our best performing midfielder. You know, he was at every contest. He absolutely gave Selwood a bath. He won clearances. He tackled hard. He was in defence. And then... Of course, uh, I think it was late in the third quarter, he got some reward and uh, received a good goal from a um, good passage of play from Dusty and Rewalt. He's, yeah, I think it, since he's had that uh, week off, he's been averaging about 27 touches and over 100 super coach. So he was a bit of a slow burn, but he's the rewards are definitely paying off now. He's definitely coming good at the right time of year too. And that goal you mentioned, oh, it was really interesting to watch because as soon as Dusty had that one-on-one on the wing, Prestia took off. He just completely backed yeah. in Dusty to win that and just ran straight to the goal square, hence why he was by himself. So 
it's really interesting to see how much trust they put into certain players and backing him in to win those contests. But no, I'm really liking what Presti's bringing to the team now. And the other thing I noticed with him as well is he, he seems very hard to tackle. Once he gets the ball, mm. he was busting through the packs. He hasn't got the greatest of speed, but his core strength seems quite good, which gets him into space. He's got a good low centre of gravity. And as well on that, um, when he just ran as soon as he saw Dusty in a contest, I think that's him just learning our players and learning, you know, who are better at one-on-ones or where to run when certain players have the ball, and it's really paying off now. Yeah, and what a time for it to pay off. So we couldn't, oh, couldn't definitely. have any better if we tried. <laughs> And TJ, what about Trent Cochin, the skipper? I mean, he's copped a bit of flack over the years for his games in finals, people saying he was missing in action and things like that. Same thing can't be said about his game on Friday. He was fantastic. No, he was um, everywhere. He had 20 possessions and seven clearances. Um, He was just amazing. Kicked that amazing goal. I think we can all say it was pretty good. And he had an equal high nine tackles with, you know who else? You know who else had um, nine tackles? Graham. Yeah, Jack Graham. Bloody love him. Yeah, he's a gun. But back on Koch, he really set the tone early for us with his just ferocious at the ball. He he had a point to prove, and he sure went out there and did it. And that goal will be talked about for ages, just the the turn under pressure (laughs) and just dragged it. It was unbelievable. That was the Kochin of 2012. That was just... It was, and Amazing. the thing is with him now, he doesn't need to get 30 possessions a game to be no. an impact kind of player. He can get 20 to 25 and still have a huge impact on the outcome, which is really good. Mm. And he did mention Jack Graham, and I think he is worth talking about quickly as well. For, what is this, his third game? Just outstanding. So, just in the first quarter, to nail the kind of tackles he was nailing, he was just at the bottom oh, yeah. of every pack, just slamming blokes everywhere. There is no way he can be dropped. No, not no, at all. He only had 61% game time. Jeez, that's the amazing impressive. thing about it. Because I think he also had up there in uh, pressure accent, yeah, I think he had equal high tackles as well. It's just he's been an amazing inclusion to our team late in the year. Yeah. He's going to be a gun next year when he gets a full preseason. He's just... It, I guess he will still be um, eligible for the Rising Star and I'd put some money on him because he's <laughs> probably going to be a shoe in Load up, everyone. <laughs> but, I mean, people will criticise his disposal column and I think sometimes people need to get over looking at that kind of stat because what he's doing off the ball um, and at the bottom of the contest is just invaluable. And like you said, he's had not much time on the ground but still getting the highest uh, pressure acts and tackles and things like that. You can't teach that kind of stuff. That's just pure effort and want. Yeah, definitely. And we'll move on to the Fords. Uh, Rust, off your thoughts on Josh Caddy. I know he didn't play purely to Ford this game, which I thought was a good thing, but how did you see his game? Yeah, to be honest, coming into the game, I thought, like, I think due to the bye, he's probably missed about four weeks of footy. So I was, I had that sort of uh, same feeling towards Conquer in that, what was it, 2015 final where he came in. I just thought, you know, he's missed a lot of footy. Will he be able to match the tempo of the game and contribute? But he didn't miss a beat at all. He was amazing. He won contests. He broke from packs. He broke tackles. He hit the scoreboard. He It was like he didn't miss a game at all. It was just a solid team performance and something that 
you don't really expect from a typical Richmond player that had missed quite a few games. So it's very strange, and but I, I fantastic. Think, I think the reason why he was able to do all that was because of Townsend. Because Caddy yeah. would have to have played that role up forward, but he didn't have to. He had that freedom to play around the midfield and add an extra body at the contest, um, which is probably a big reason why we won the contested possession. So just having yeah, all definitely. these little role players in the team definitely adds up. And it, I mean, it would have been nice if he had slotted a few more goals, but he definitely yeah. played one of his better games. I think he hit two posters, so he could have finished on four goals quite easily. But Yeah, his kicking efficiency did hurt a bit. Yeah, the set shots we need to work on, but, you know, as long as we keep winning, then not too much to complain about, I guess. Very true. And TJ, Shane Edwards, what did you make of his game? I know he's kind of gone missing in big games sometimes in the past, but I thought he had a bit of a, he had a good one on Friday night. Yeah, he um he had he had 16 of his 24 touches after half time. He was a really big factor in snatching back the momentum in the third term with his and he kicked an important goal. It's just these slick handballs. Like he just sees things happen before anyone else does, and that really opens the game mm. up for us. So I'm really glad he got back to that kind of form because when he's playing like that, uh, we're we're pretty hard to stop. I must say, at the game live, I didn't notice him too much, but watching the replays, he's yeah, he's small, he's quick handballs, he's releasing possessions are very noticeable there, and he was actually quite a good player on the day. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, all right, so we'll push on to some of the other talking points from the game. I know we mentioned this bloke before, but Dustin Martin, uh, what a star he is. He he pretty much set the game up for us in the second half, like you said. Rustoff, what did you make of his overall game? It was he. Did you find he was a bit too quiet in the first half? Um. Yeah, I guess it wasn't like a complete dusty demolition that you sort of expect from the full season, but um. I think it was towards the end of the end of the game when um, Guthrie went off and he was sort of released from his chains and was able to really impact the game. I think overall, though, he still was a solid contributor. I think he had like 14 or 15 touches by halftime, so he was definitely not um, restricted in defining the ball, but I think he was quite restricted in um, setting up goals. But again, we were quite um, inaccurate. inaccurate scoring so it's a bit of a double-edged sword i guess yeah he had like he had something like nine score involvements yeah it's pretty hard i think he led our score involvements by quite a bit i think jack was second but yeah i like that he also had seven tackles he's not really renowned for getting high tackle numbers but he it's it's like he definitely bought into whatever the plan was for that game um that he He was was very defensive which was great to see yeah, it's a very different side to him. Um, yeah, which is really good. So, from a team perspective, it helps when everyone's on the same page like that. Mm. And our leadership, our leadership have obviously been smashed from pillar to post in the past. There's been changes, <laughs> this, that, and the other. TJ, what did you make of the the three leadership guys and how they stood up? They were all amazing. They all played important goals in the game. Um, we talked about Leibold, how he kicked the goal late, but he was involved through score assists all night. Um, Nance played a great game on Taylor, and Cochin led from the front. They were really massive in the way of getting our team up and about and really massive on that pressure. Yeah, I mean, that goal where you know, Dusty had it on the wing, got it to Jack. I mean, Jack was in a, a pretty 
pressured one-on-one situation himself. So for him to still win that and then get the ball to Prestia, they're just so so clever when they get it. Um, and yeah, it would have been nice for Jack to kick a few more, but you know, Lonigan's a very good defender in his own right. So it was nice for Jack to do the other little bits and pieces to get everyone else involved. But yeah, I think it wasn't like it was shut down. Yeah, and I think it's a bit of a sign of how far we've come as a team that we don't have to rely on Jack to kick five or six goals to win a game. Yeah. Also, I just want to say I love our leadership group with our setup, having, you know, Cochin as our captain and then having a defender and a forward as the vice captain. It's sort of, I guess, you know, the defenders always have someone to look to in Rance and the forwards will always have someone to look to in Reward. And then, of course, the midfielders have Cochin to look forward to and the greater team in general to look forward to. I think it's a really good balanced setup that we've been able to strike there. I completely agree. Having a leader on each line is a really important thing to have, especially when you yeah. consider that Rewald and Rance very rarely go off the ground. So they're on there for, exactly. let, let's say, 80 to 95% of the game to set up things to give out direction and things like that. And it's invaluable. It's so good to have that. Mm. And the other thing I want to talk about, the atmosphere at the end of the game. I mean, the last quarter was pretty electric from from probably about the five or ten minute mark all the way through to the end. What was your experience like, um, you know, with the crowd, the noise and all that? What did you think? Uh, I thought it was amazing. I had lost my voice by for, uh, the first quarter, so I was just ecstatic, you know. <laughs> the, the sound was just amazing. It, you just felt so relieved and happy and electric from the sound and the just tsunami of tiger roar, which was just amazing. And when we sung that yellow and black, oh, just sent shivers down your spine. Speaking of that yellow and black, I do have an audio recording of that, which I'll play at the end as well so fantastic um, as i sat there for the last like two minutes with my finger on the button ready to go this is (laughs) going to be absolute gold with everyone shouting you knew you were waiting for the yellow back black you were just like yes this is going to be the loudest noise you've ever heard in your life and it it was it was true and like you know there's all these videos going around with the people who film the crowd and stuff like that and none of them ever get old they're they're all just as good as each other not at all Mm. So and it came across really good on the TV as well. It was um, yeah. I was one of the unlucky saps that had to watch it from home, and um, I had to turn it down at several stages just so <laughs> loud. Were you still jumping up and down and barracking at home? Oh yeah, my hands were red. Yes. It's funny how in finals, I know we probably do it in the middle of the season as well, but you end up just high five and hugging complete randoms that you don't yep. even know, <laughs> just in pure excitement of what we're about to do. It's just fantastic. I was high five and the bloke in front of me had no idea who he was, but he was my best mate. <laughs> um, at the Dreamtime game, which was the one I did go to, my mother, who's, like I said, Essen supporter, got kissed by a random Gucci supporter. So. <laughs> Didn't really appreciate that, but um, yeah, it's just that it would have been like that because that was a big game too. They had eighty five thousand, so. Yeah. And looking forward to the pre to the prelim final, uh, Rustoff, who who do you think we're likely to play? How do you reckon the GWS West Coast game is going to pan out, and what does it mean for us? Well, I think I saw that Cameron and Mumford have been ruled out for the rest of the year. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that certainly changes things up a bit. Um, 
look, West Coast were quite lucky getting into winning that game against Port Adelaide, you know, but again, you, you take the win as you get it. I think we will be playing GWS, um, but if we manage to play um, West Coast, I would be wary of either team, to be honest. I wouldn't take them lightly. If West Coast managed to beat GWS, then they've obviously been able to uh, counter whichever opposition they've played effectively, and it's certainly um, a danger game, and GWS will you let them off the loose and they will score 10 goals in a second almost. It's, um, yeah, certainly one that we can't take lightly. But I think if we do bring our usual game plan of just high pressure, high tackling, just relentless defensive movement and then quick movement into the forward half, I think we should win. And TJ, what about yourself? Who do you think we're likely to face at a GWS in West Coast? Um, with those injuries now with the Giants, that threw me a bit off board. But I felt like West Coast played their grand final last week, and Giants at spotless is a bit of a hard ask. But in the way of like who we're playing, both of these teams do not have a good Melbourne record. Um, this year, GWS played um, five games in Melbourne and only won one, and West Coast played six and only won two. And they were both at Eddie Had, they were at Eddie Had. So we see ourselves in a really good position. You know, it's much better than Geelong have to go play Sydney and then Adelaide over there, that's for sure. Yeah, I think like his both said, either way, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, West Coast, if they get through GWS, it's a super effort, uh, and all the travelling they're going to have to do might take a toll on them. But yeah, it's it was, a lot of travelling. It is, it yeah. is. And I mean, we'll be definitely watching that game with interest, and hopefully they belt the crap out of one another. Yeah. Uh, and end up pretty sore the next week but it, it's just exciting to be one step away um, from a, a grand final which is it still makes me laugh even thinking about the fact that we're in that position <laughs> yeah it is very exciting it's it's hard to not get ahead of yourself but it's so close you're just like oh we're playing an interstate team no matter what it's so close <laughs> The, the planets have just aligned for us nicely with a few yeah. different things as well. We've got a full list. We're on the right side of the draw. Yeah. Um, I just hope that we're switched on enough and good enough to to take that final step. But the only thing that worries me is, is having that much of a break, like the two games in 26 days yeah. or whatever it is. Last year, it proved to be an issue for both teams in the prelim. Hopefully, we can sort of turn that around and um, and get through. And the other good thing as well is obviously the VFL boys. They're into a prelim as well. Um, who would have thought both the both the Richmond teams have been a prelim in the same year? Chance for the double-double. Yeah. So yeah. Did either of you watch the VFL game on the weekend? I watched yeah, half. I, I watched the second half. Um, that second quarter when they were just on fire was good to see. Um, especially, I think Stengel, was it? He kicked four, didn't he? Yeah, and he did. Freedom yeah, won the yeah. first. Yeah. So it's great to see that we've finally got great depth. Mm, definitely. Even um, Stevie Morris played a good game too. Uh, I know he didn't mm. get a lot of the ball, but Jesus, he was attacking the ball hard and the men with the ball. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I I'm won't getting, s- um, a bit ex- I won't I'm say a bit excited. To, uh, yeah. Um, with, um, because I'm also a Port Melbourne supporter, so I'm hoping for <laughs> Port Melbourne, Richmond, VFL. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're on the opposite side, so yeah, it's definitely a chance. Yeah. 
And speaking of the VFL guys, um, for those who can make it, they're playing Box Hill at Port Melbourne this week at 2.40. Uh, what day is it? On the Saturday. So Saturday, September 16, 2.40 at Port Melbourne. So make sure if you get the chance to go down and support them. I'm sure a lot of the senior players will be there as well and support. Um, but yeah, it'd be good to, to get them into a grand final as well. And just having that depth of good senior players, you know, there's a, a good handful that could easily step into our senior side with no issues, and I think that's a sign of a really good club. Yeah, yeah it's the um, Thai Victory Cup this weekend. <laughs> it is too, the Thai Victory Cup. Is he back this week from suspension? Um, I'm not too sure, actually. I think it wasn't yeah, two yeah. weeks. I'm not too sure, but it's Chris Newman's side, so there's some Tiger quality on both. Uh, it should be a good game. Hopefully the boys can have a win. Uh, we've had a few questions, on, or a couple of questions on Twitter come through, so I'll give you one each. Uh, so, Rustoff, I'll give you this one. This is from OkiFC Porto 7 who also sent us one last week, so thank you. So the question for him, from him this week is, our small forwards don't have many possessions or kick bags of goals, but their pressure racks are immense. Can we sustain this? Definitely. I think it's a very undervalued stat that the pressure racks give. Uh, I guess we're quite fortunate that we have a very high amount of midfielders that are able to rotate through the forward line. So it doesn't mean that, you know, if Castagna, Butler and Rioli don't kick goals, that no one will kick goals because we still have Caddy, Martin, Koch and Townsend, who's going to kick five goals because he's just amazing. He's the best player ever. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, I I think I read an article as well today that, the main focus on the small forwards is pressure acts first, possessions and goals second. So they are definitely, uh, I think that's also a reason why we're just, we've been able to win so many games is we apply the pressure, we put the def- their defence, the opposition defence under immense pressure. They are unable to, you know, run out as easily as they did last year um, and it's showing rewards for it. Yeah, I saw the same article. I think it was um, Dan Butler that was quoted in there. But yeah, yeah, the coaching staff don't really care too much about possessions and goals. They're all just seen as a bonus, which is a really interesting philosophy because you know, most clubs, I guess, wouldn't have that kind of approach. But the fact mm. that they're just allowed to really focus on their defensive stuff has proven to work a treat for us. And it's working, so why would you change it? I mean, I guess like you'd ideally maybe want another 12 forward in there, but... As long as we're winning games, then, you know, do you really want to risk changing it up? They couldn't. Surely they couldn't try and risk it. I I know Griff's on his way back and he's taken some marks and kicked a couple of goals, but you can't mess with what we're doing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And the second question we've got for you, TJ, was sent in by SinbadF4W. How impressed have you been with the job Presti has done on Zorko and Mitchell and now Selwood? Well, he wrote Duckwood, but we know it's Selwood. Yeah, it just adds another string to his bow because early in the year, wasn't it Lambert doing the tagging? Yeah. He was doing decent too. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's been impressive that, you know, he can get positions and also hold down these big players. It's definitely helped improve us as a team, and I think it was a good way for him just to learn our system and get just some match fitness under his belt, really. He covers some serious Ks, but... Yeah, definitely. I, I think the tagging was kind of the turning point for him in his season, but now he's just become his own player again um, and doing a good job at it. Yeah, yeah. 
And the last thing we had was uh, there was the competition on Twitter. So that uh, to win a footy. And the winner of the competition was Brett, whose Twitter handle is Tigers1975. So congratulations, Brett. We'll send you a message and send you out a footy. Thanks to everyone for uh, retweeting and liking our tweet. And we'll try and do one again another couple of months' time. And I think that just about does it. So, Rustoff and TJ, thank you so much for coming on in this special episode to help celebrate Thanks our qualifying final win. Um, are you both looking at getting to the prelim? Oh, definitely. I'll be there um, at 9am or wherever it is to buy the tickets. I'm pretty sure it's that's my birthday weekend, so I'll have family Ooh. commitments, but it's a good it's a good thing to have. Mate, bring them all the along. Yeah, don't worry yeah, exactly. about Bring them all along. Oh, well, hopefully we can give you a good birthday present then. That, that'd be... Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be a real shit one for you if we lose. <laughs> so there's, a lot, there's a lot on the line. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much, guys, for coming on. Um, and until next time, go Tigers. Yeah, go Tigers. Go Tigers. another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!